because there is a huge mindset shift, right? From I can't and I'm stuck to I can and let's figure this out. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello, my friend. Wow, it's been a hot minute since I was last yammering into a microphone. (laughs) A lot has happened since I last darkened your doorstep. We took a vacation of a lifetime, for us anyway. We went to Ireland with our kids. It's something we've dreamed about for 10 years, and we finally made it happen. It, It was charmed, I have to say. It was everything I hoped it would be. One million different shades of green. The Cliffs of Moher did not disappoint. The Dingle Peninsula and the Aran Islands were a revelation. We saw cows by the side of the road. We fed sheep and goats, and my kids got to hold a baby lamb. It was incredible. And yes, the Guinness is better in Ireland. And then once we got home, we turned our attention to preparing to get our first kiddo off to college. And wow, is that a mind bender. I swear, I just had a couple of toddlers yesterday, and now I'm the shortest one in the house by a good bit, and off they go. (laughs) It's a bittersweet moment, for sure. I feel proud. I feel sad. I'm having all the feels. And speaking of all the feels, I'm so thrilled to have you here to help me open up season three of this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. If you've been listening for a while, thank you so much for coming back. I already have several recorded interviews with amazing guests that I will be rolling out over the next several weeks. Seriously, I am so stinking excited. (sighs) Getting back into the groove with the podcast has me thinking about new beginnings. Tomorrow is the fall solstice, so it's the beginning of a new season. It's close to the beginning of a new school year for so many. And really, isn't that what this podcast is all about? New beginnings? Starting over? I am a firm believer that we can start over anytime we want to. That said, starting over isn't easy. It's uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable. But my dear friend, that's where all the juice is. Whenever we start over, we are putting ourselves into the position of being a beginner. It's scary. It's exciting. Ooh, and speaking of being a beginner, during my time away from the podcast... I put myself in that very position. I'm very excited to announce that I am now officially a published author. Wow. I can't believe I'm even saying that. Before we left for our vacation, I was invited to take part in a new author intensive that was led by Holly Totten and Kim White, both of whom have been guests on this podcast. I will put the episode numbers in the show notes for you if you want to go back and check those out if you missed them. Anyway, 
the two of them got together to offer this amazing workshop for first-time authors. Holly is a writing coach who specializes in nonfiction. She loves helping people tell their personal stories. And Kim White is a published author many times over, so she's very familiar with the publishing process. And together they took us through a nine-week process, guiding us through the steps that we'd need to take to write a nonfiction book and get it published. And what we didn't know when we started the intensive was that we'd have the opportunity to be published at the end of the course. That was mind-blowing. Each one of us contributed a chapter to Holly's new book, which is about our journeys to becoming first-time authors. And the book is titled, The Confidence is Mine, Courage to Become an Author. And you can find it on Amazon. Here's the thing. Before I started this podcast, I never considered writing a book. I feel like I need to pinch myself because it was only five years ago that I was feeling lost and stuck in a rut professionally and personally. And so much has changed since I decided to start this podcast. It has led me to meet new friends, learn new things, and grow every day. And yes, now it's leading me down the path to writing a book. And it's all because I realized that I want to spread this message as far and wide as I can. I feel driven by the message that I want to give you. And that message is you're not too old and it's never too late. Starting the podcast was super scary for me, but it has brought me so much. And I want the same sort of thing for you. Whatever you are interested in, go for it. It bears repeating. You're not too old and it's never too late. So, oh my goodness. I can't wait to introduce you to my first guest for season three. If you have been harboring dreams of writing a novel, she is an amazing resource. Her name is Beth Barani, and she is an award-winning novelist, book coach, and workshop leader. She specializes in helping writers experience clarity so they can write and proudly publish their novels to the delight of their readers. Her courses are packed with useful, hands-on information that you can implement right away. She can help you step into the author's life that you want with ease and joy. And when she's not helping writers, Beth writes just magical tales of romance, mystery, and adventure with a passion for empowering women and girls to be the heroes of their own lives. Now, Beth had her own journey to becoming a novelist and writing coach that started in her 30s, and I can't wait for you to hear her story. So without further ado, here's Beth Barani. Let's go. Hey, Beth. Thanks so much for being with me today. <laughs> thanks for having me, Yvonne. This is so fun. <laughs> it is so fun, and it feels like it's been so long in coming, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think we've been talking about this for at least six months, if at not longer. Least, right? But we both have had a lot going on in the world. I mean, totally. and how, gosh, I feel like I got to know you. I'm thinking about like the Monday huddle through the What Works Network. That was back during the COVID times, the early COVID yes. times, right? Mm -hmm. And that is when I started to to go, oh, this Beth chick, she's cool. 
I was like, who's Yvonne? I want to talk to her. <laughs> and here we are finally. Here we are. And of course, of course, since then, though, you have been a uh, part of my summit with an right. awesome bit about how people how people could get started writing. That was yeah. incredible. So Beth, I want to talk to you about about going from being a writer to teaching people how to write. If I'm right, what you're teaching is goes beyond just the writing, but it's also how to how to live the yes. life of a writer, right? Absolutely. You, you are kind of like it's yes. a it's a whole holistic approach to writing. Yes. Yes. Well said. Well said. I, I really like that. Okay. It's yours. <laughs> Take it. Run with oh. it. <laughs> well, this is this is like an ongoing struggle for every writer, which is how do I fit my writing in with my life? I, I have to have a day job. I have responsibilities. I have family to to, to take care of. I have, you know cats meowing at me for dinner you know it's I'm hungry I need to take a walk right like how do you be a writer and have a life that's been my big question all these years and it really started um gosh where do I begin I mean it, it's been a, an evolution it's been a slow evolution on how do I really fit writing into my life so it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like one thing is competing with another or it doesn't feel like the other responsibilities are competing with the writing. And that's how I felt actually for a long time is these two things were like pushing against each other. No me, no me, like, you know, kids oh, fighting yeah. over a toy. Uh -huh. Oh my God, totally. And so it's been a, a constant, it's been an evolution, but also like an inquiry, like how do I make this work? And it, and it didn't happen overnight. Uh, and part of the evolution was really Number one, going, you know, writing is really important to me. So I am going to make it work no matter what, which is very me. I mean, I've had this kind of attitude like my whole life. I'm going to make this work somehow. I don't know how, but, you know, I have this. That's a powerful attitude, Beth. And it could be construed as like, oh, you're looking at the world through rose colored glasses. That was something I was told when I was young. And it's like, well, yeah, I am. And now I've learned to go, well, I am because, I mean, we have a choice. I could either look at things optimistically, even in the face of the impossible, or I could give up and just look at everything through a very hazy, dark lens where everything is murky and it's all sad. And I mean, there's times, of course, where I'm sad and things feel murky, but I, I also know they pass and I don't have to live there. I can pass through that. You know, that's more about like emotional health. And this comes back to making room for all the emotions in my life so that I can get to my writing or get to the business or or get to take on a walk. So it's instead of these two things being like face off, you know, some kind of logger jam. Now it's more about flow. It's like, OK, well, I'm in the flow. I'm the little boat on the river. Where are we going? Are we in a fast moving river? Are we going off to the side to rest are we you know and where is the creative energy so when I about eight years ago I centered being a creative like in the center of my life I realized my religion was being creative and what did that mean in terms of like running a business and taking care of my health and making time for writing and it really became about listening to the creative to the flow to the 
energetic, really like emotional flow inside of my body and paying attention to that and really honoring that at, at every beat because I was already pretty good at honoring that inside of the writing space, inside of being a creative writer and writing my novels. I'm like, well, why can't I have this all the time? Why can't I have this intense, wonderful, sensual listening more than just when I'm working on fiction? Can't I have it in my whole life? So that's been my exploration now for, gosh, I guess almost a decade, really trying to center the that listening and also acting on that listening. It's, mm, yes. you know, and then going, okay, and like really paying attention to it and using it as a guide and as a giving me direction, really. And some people call it intuition. I I think it's it's more than that. I think, well, or I could say intuition is really listening, <clears throat> listening to the body and paying attention deeply to those cues and allowing those to be my guide in terms of what to eat and where to go and whether to sit or to walk or whether to work on this project or that project. And so now writing becomes just part of one of the many projects I work on and it's centered. I've I've created a space for it in my day most of the time so that I can get to it. Um, it's like an appointment now, a very important appointment. Yeah, it's, it's it's honoring it's honoring your yourself and what you need, is what I'm. Hearing. That's right, absolutely. Yeah. If I don't work on creative stuff on my story specifically and on that generative quality, not just marketing or even editing can be part of this generative space because in editing you're making a lot of decisions and you're refining and you're deepening. That too gives me a lot of joy. So whether it's planning or writing or editing, I need to be doing one of those things almost every day. Uh, it, well, I should say four to six days a week when I'm really in a high point. Now I'm I'm about to start moving really strongly into planning the next novel, and so that means the engine has to rev up. So I'm I'm also I don't go from zero to sixty. I first I go five miles an hour, then ten miles an hour, like. I just give myself a lot of revving up time and, you know, because creative work is, well, it's work, you know, it is work. So. It is absolutely work. Oh my goodness. I mean, you, you would think, oh, it's just, you know, you're in your imagination and you're in la la land, but no, it is work, right? So you've been writing, you were writing novels, you were doing the, the creative work for yourself. At what point did you say, I want to start teaching because that yeah. happened about midlife for you, right? Yeah, we were doing the math. Um, so when I was 38 years old, actually right before my 38th birthday, I decided that I would work for myself. But a few months before that, so I guess I was 37, I was having my like annual review at the day job. And I was working in this tiny little company. I was the office manager and the boss. She's like, okay, so what would you like to learn next? You know, we had gone through, you know, the pros and the cons. Here's what you're doing well. Here's some room for improvement. What would you like to do next? I'm like, I would like to teach. And it like literally like popped out of my mouth without any preparation. But I, I do remember that a few months before that, like around January 1, I was noticing how on unhappy I was at the day job. I was like, really, I'm going to stay at a day job 
and I was writing, you know, I hadn't published yet, but so something had been growing in me. And when she asked me that in the springtime, it was, she said to me, well, I can't help you. We're not doing, we, we don't offer that in this business. And I'm like, I know. And it was so clear to me that what I had just said was pointing me in a new direction. Mm. I was like, oh, this is what I really want. Of course, I'm going to be writing, but I also want to be teaching. I don't want to just be someone's office manager that, you know, it has. I like making things organized. Uh, please um, believe me, even though you might see the messiness behind you, there's there's order in my chaos. Um, <laughs> so it was such a wake up call for me. And I'd already been I think I'd already started with creativity coaching as a as a training and then I was like, oh, I, I think I need to get serious about this creativity coaching training, get my certification. And that is a good direction for me. And then it took me a few more months to give her notice and go, boom, notice. Here's six months notice. I need to go out on my own and I'll give you a lot of runway to find someone else who is the person like, you know, holding the office together. I thought that was, you know, way more than fair. Six months is a very, very... Uh ample and fair ample and it was for me too yeah i mean it was really for me too so that i didn't completely drop myself into who knows what was next i mean i I, it still was that way but in many ways like i actually got my first writing class off the ground i made flyers i paid a flyer service to flyer you know i live in a very urban environment here in the east bay across from san francisco you know i live in oakland so i had flyers running from the edge of berkeley all the way down into downtown oakland which is like i don't know they had flyer services they still do have flyer services yeah i'm a huge flyer person i loved the flyers when i was in college at uc berkeley i mean i would collect flyers and put them on my wall because they're like little works of art you know so that was my go-to. That was my first marketing. And I got like six people in my living room that fall. So I was still, you know, training my replacement and I hadn't completely stepped out of the day job, but I had my first little writing class and I had registered my business. And then I realized, oh, I need to find a community. So I found Business Networking International, which teaches you how to network in your local community. And on December 1, so I gave notice in June, and then on December 1, I was done with the day job and I had my first meeting at the little networking at BNI. And I, so I didn't completely go into the void. I had a place to be every week and learning how to say what I did, which I was still figuring out in 30 seconds or one minute, which uh-huh. it was a great, it was a good thing to do as an initial new business owner who had zero training in entrepreneurship, like no formal training except for the woman that I was working for was my age and had been running a successful business for years. So I was like watching her, obviously. Um, I didn't know all the ins and outs. And, but I had enough confidence and I knew, oh, I will teach writing. It was very generic. I will teach people how to write books because I love books. So that was my step out into this new space of like, I knew it was time to do what I really wanted to do. I'd already gone through a few experiences in life where I was facing kind of like the dead end moment where you're everyone around you is doing dead end, not dead end jobs, but kind of like the nine to five. I knew I was not a nine to fiver. I'd had some corporate experience that crash and burn. I had ironically when after nine 11, my husband and I were in Paris for that. And then afterwards, you know, everything's up in the air and I was just watching people in Paris 
do the nine to five. You get on the train in the morning, you go into the city, you have your job, you come home. And I was like, I, that's not me. I'm not a nine to fiver. Even in France, I was having like this intense reaction to feeling like I had to somehow conform. And the fear of the horrible events of 9-11 made me, I really felt the fear like, oh, I'm not supposed to be creative. I'm not supposed to speak my mind. I can't be a loud mouth woman, you know, like that's the feeling I was going through. Mm-hmm. And I went through an intense crisis and, and realized that either I embrace the life of a creative or I give up. Like I've had a lot of crossroads like that. And I've even afterwards, I had crossroads like that because it's not easy to run a business and be a novelist. It's not easy to be both a working novelist and, you know, helping other people write. And, but over the years now, it's been what, 16 years, I'm, I've really created a tapestry where I do this in support of me and in support of others. And I've learned how to make it a win-win. So we all win and it's still an ongoing thing. I still notice sometimes I'll make choices where I, it's like, I'm trying, I'm sacrificing myself a little bit for others. I'm like, nah, that's not helpful. (laughs) You know, put on your own oxygen mask first. You know, that's really keep coming back to that. You know, I'm my first client. I am my premium client. So I have to make time for myself just as faithfully as I would for any, any of my clients. You know, I always show up on time. I'm always there for them. So why not do the same for me? No, so I love that. I love that. And I will, I will notice, or I'm noticing that, um, you weren't a published author when you started teaching and, and, and coaching, and then you became a published author. And so I have to wonder if the, the jumping into teaching others, if there was, was that, was that a driving thing for you to be like, i better get this done. How, how did that first published novel come about? Yeah, well, by the time I started my business, I had already written three novels and I was editing that third novel, which became my first published novel. And I had some experience already teaching writing. Um, when I was working on my first novel, I taught like short story writing to, um, to people who were learning English as a foreign language, because that's actually where I got my formal quote formal training. Is I did that four week, you know, get your certification to te- teach TEFL, te- teaching English as a foreign language. You know, a lot of people get this quick, this intensive certification so they could go abroad. So my husband and I had done that back in 2000 in preparation I, for moving I totally to France. To doing <laughs> did you do that? that? Yeah. Yes, yes. There was a moment in time it. when I was like, I think it's before I became a, I can't remember the timing of this now, but it was, there was a moment in time where I was like, when I, after I'd given up the theater career and I, I looked at everything from landscape architecture to ultrasound to teaching English as a second language to, to yeah. on and on and on like yeah. so many oh my goodness yeah so but you did it that's amazing we did, it. did you did you think you were gonna go overseas or yeah was that we ever knew. part of the plan yeah that was part of the plan that was part of the very initial plan that was like my husband and I met when I was 30 and he was 29 and he was in the process of going on the Peace Corps he was like oh. he had been approved he was gonna he's waiting for his assignment and he would go in like four or five months but we got together and he's like, well, I really want to be with you, but I really need to go abroad. I need to change my life. I need to get out of the country. 
And he said, well, I'll stay with you if you agree to go abroad with me. And I'm like, of course. <laughs> like, she no hesitation. fists in the air. Yes, I love it. <laughs> yeah, because I had already lived in Paris once when I, I had dropped out of college and was an au pair in Paris when I was like 22. Wow. I had lived in Quebec when I was 16. I had the, the beautiful privilege of being able to be an exchange student in high school. So I was like, shh bring it you know so we got together we got married and we're like okay we'll get married in 2000 and we'll go abroad a year later and that's what happened we got married in 2000 and left a year later for france wow yeah so we prepped you know both of us are kind of we both need kind of that long runway preparation and so we knew that and we prepped and saved money and got our certifications to teach english and i speak french already so i could help figure out all the you know ins and outs of what we needed to do and um yeah it, so it was and so i started teaching english too before we left and that's why i first thought i first taught um short story writing to the high level english speakers my my the director of curriculum she like pushed me into it because i wasn't thinking i was ready to teach writing yet i had wanted to since i was in high school actually but she she's like what are you talking about you you you've written a novel and i'm like but i don't have an english degree she's like so you know she knew i had experience so i got in there i started creating curriculum for them and it was so much fun i really enjoyed it and then i'd wrap it around some advanced you know past future perfect you know some fun you know grammar thing you know uh-huh. this is how you talk about the it. past some and the future fun grammar thing uh uh that's a whole combination of words that i cannot quite wrap my head around but okay okay some fun grammar thing beth yes yes i learned i learned how to appreciate english grammar for the first time amazing uh, yeah so yeah, that's how you started really teaching and that so yeah. okay but so this has been amazing <laughs> let's go back to how did you end up getting the first published novel like what happened oh right thank you for coming back to the question <laughs> um so i i had been part of a writing community since we came back from france so starting around 2003 i joined the romance writers of america local chapter here in the san francisco area because I knew from experience that getting in a group of other writers would really help me. And I had finished my first book, written my second book really fast. Took me five years to write my first novel, six weeks to write my second novel. Uh, Yeah, because it was like, yeah, I just had learned so much. And then I was casting a, yeah, so I was, I joined the organization and all of a sudden I was surrounded by people, women, super ambitious, super savvy, knew every, knew all the ins and outs, how to get published, how to market, how to get it done, writing books fairly fast. Um, one of the speakers, she's like, I'll teach you how to write a book in a day. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, but basically it's like planning an entire book in one day, yeah. you know, or I, you can write a novel in 10 days. I'm like, but now with technology, you can, you, if you, you can dicta- dictate like a full length novel in one week, it's amazing. People are doing it. It's wow. super amazing. Wow. But anyway, at the time, so I got to see a lot of examples of people publishing and doing all that. And it was just at the, it wasn't even self-publishing wasn't a thing quite yet. There was like one person in the room who was self-publishing and she was amazing. She's definitely like a pioneer. And then fast forward a few years later, I'm at one of those meetings and somebody starts talking about their self-publishing adventure 
and um, someone else is like turns to me and says, Beth, you know, so-and-so has a, their YA fantasy novel. They, they're doing really great. You should think about publishing yours. So I did. I, after trying many years to try and get Henrietta the Dragon Slayer published and find an agent and do all of that, I realized it was time to self-publish. So I self-published in January of um, 2011. Um, after very diligently trying to get an agent and and actually an agent contacted me like in February of 2011 with interest. And I had told, I told her I'd just self-published and she's like, well, I don't really want to take a chance on you. I just took on another independent author who had already self-published, but I'm going to try and sell their book. And I'm like, that's fine. I was not sad. I'm <laughs> like, I'm happy to be fully in the lane of, you know, self-publishing by then it, I, even though that was my first novel I had published, I'd already shepherded an anthology to publication this for this writing community. And I'd already done just an ebook for one of my nonfiction titles. And I had published my first print book, uh, nonfiction called the writer's adventure guide where I got to, I had to hustle, get that done. It was based on some workshops I was giving and I got to present on that material at a romance writers conference. So that was probably in 2009. So I'd already produced several books by the time I published my novel. I love hearing all the baby steps that went into this journey. That's so incredible. I love that self-publishing has become an option, a real viable way mm -hmm. for people to get their work out into the world in much the same way that producing a podcast is completely accessible to anybody, which is why there are millions of podcasts, which is crazy. But the thing is, is it gives you, it gives us control over our destiny, our life in a way that before there were gatekeepers, oh, the, the odds are so stacked against artists yeah. being able to do their work and put it out in the world and technology and everything else is just opening up, you know, ways for people to do what they want to do. I love it so much. And even when we did the anthology, we did a offset printing. So we raised money in our community just amongst ourselves to print 2000. Uh, copies of that book. So, yeah, I mean, and that was before print on demand became a big thing. Now, I would never raise money to print 2000 copies of a book unless it was there was already a, a tremendous demand for it. And I could sell them all like through a Kickstarter or something. I mean, even for the I did run a Kickstarter this past March and I only ordered as many books as I thought might be sold. You know, I did a rough estimate once the campaign ended, ordered a bunch of books, you know, over, you know, added a few more. So I have stock here, but I don't have a huge amount of stock. You know, I have enough so that I can mail a copy to folks. And I just love print on demand. It has changed our lives as independent authors so much. I didn't I don't, know it existed. I didn't know you could do print on There's the things oh, I don't yeah. know in this world. It's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, and then there's other people who they'll do, um, like I like tchotchkes and mugs and bags and stickers and like I could create up a, set up a cafe press or a Zazzle or something, and I could put my designs on it and I don't have to hold hardly any stock, maybe a few things to take pictures of or right. show off at an event, but I don't have to package or ship these things. You know, the vendor does that. The 
right? Amazon. Yeah, you make a little bit them. less on it in the, yeah. you know, you're, because you've got the investment going in, right? But there, the, there's the extra cost of something like that, I imagine. But well, there's how no... much that takes off your your overhead of storage and Tremendous. Oh gosh, I can't even imagine and time and brain yeah. power. But I don't. You don't actually have to. There's no upfront cost to upload a book into Kindle for digital or print. There's zero upfront cost on Amazon is not asking for money. They just take it on the sale. Mm -hmm. So it's, and same with a lot of, you know, any kind of like Sazzle or cafe press, they, they take it off of the sale. You don't, there's very minimal. I mean, there's cost in design and of course making a product beautiful with editing and all of that, but yeah. So it, it, the cost of production is very less, is much less. So like bringing the power back to the artist. Right. Uh, to to do a podcast, you know what we invest in a mic. We probably already invested in a computer. I just need a mic, a headset. I already have the computer. The software is usually free unless you want to pay for some bells and whistles. Right. It's it's incredible. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I mean, you have completely taken charge of your destiny, Beth. That's that's the thing that I find so. Um, inspiring about mm -hmm. what you've done it is going from having that day job which i'm so mm -hmm. oh so familiar with um you know as a creative it, it's it's usually a necessary part of a creative's life to have a day job uh you know and you managed to extricate yourself from that part of that existence and figure it out. Yeah. Congratulations. I, thank Man. you. I, I had a lot of help. I, I would say I couldn't have done it without my husband, without the fact that we lived, you know, in this lovely location together, uh, that he was enti entirely supportive, entirely. How it did was... you get past, I, were there mind blocks that were, I mean, it, 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 the only thing I'm worried about, like when I when I think of somebody listening right now is, you you seem to just be somebody who just does things. Um, did you have to overcome any kind of mindset blocks for yourself to be able to do what you're doing? Yes, I'm sure. It's hard to look back because it feels like in the last 16 years, I've gone through many iterations of the business itself. But I mean, I can speak to some of the concerns I have now, like I'm trying to, I'm actually leaping into the unknown, right? I'm trying to, I'm, I'm keeping what I've been doing, but I'm also trying to create some new things. And I have always bumped up against an inner voice that says I can't. In fact, I, it's so strong. I put it into my, my Henrietta, the dragon slayer, slayer novels. I think in book two, she's literally like in, has been captured and she's in this turret room and she doesn't know how to get out and she knows her enemies have captured her and she's she goes through that period of defeat feeling like she just can't i think she's even tied up like it's really you know her back is against the wall she's tied up she's like 100 feet up how is she going to get out of here and who's on the other side of that door you know and 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 so i always go through that phase of i can't it's just too hard i'm not happy here but i don't know where i want to go so i i think I go through that phase every time I'm I'm breaking into something new. And I mean, what I've learned over the years is like, 
just really, really be there, just really be sad, just really be mm. noticing all the ways in which I am cornered and tied up and stuck. And from there, it's like a, a wave that washes through me. And I, after a while, I'm like, I kind of pick my head up. It's like a literal, instead of like feeling like going into the fetal position, after I've done that for a while, I kind of pick my head up and I'm like, wait, okay, what's going on here? And I like start to assess the situation. Like, like I'm a, I'm a spy or I'm a, I'm a soldier, you know, like I just get my can do hat back on. And I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I don't know. It's like a switch. I love the image of the right? candy hat. I'm totally going to borrow that the next time oh, I'm in that zone, Beth. Me too. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm on my drawing it. hat or yeah. my big girl panties, I always call That's it. That's right. But... <laughs> That's right. Because there is a huge mindset shift, right? From I can't and I'm stuck to I can and let's figure this out. I think that that's what I wanted to go back to right at the beginning. I almost stopped you after you first started talking at the beginning of the interview because you said something, you said several things in a row and I was like, okay, I think we're done here. Um, and I think part of that is in the, the idea of, I think so much of it comes into asking ourselves good questions, not saying, oh, why can't I do this? Or why does this always happen? Why can't I figure it out? Why am I, those, you know, those, that line of questioning is not helpful, but the way you're asking it is, how can I, how can I do this thing that I want? How can I figure this out? And when we ask ourselves those questions in a way that allows for possibility to come in, then there's possibility. That's right. That's right. And it's like, um, where are the windows and the doors here? Like, Ooh. I, I, I'm very Ooh. kinesthetic. I'm very much like, where are the exits? Where, what's the through fare, you know, cause part of, um, <clears throat> getting out of the stuck place, at least this is what I'm in right now is like, am I allowing myself to truly be supported here? Oh. That was my question today. I'm like, maybe I'm, there's a way in which I can open up to even more support from places that I don't yet know. So I'm trying to recreate a new aspect of my business with my new podcast. And I have already watched things happen, like opportunities and people say things to me. And I'm like, I didn't even consider that as an opportunity, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like, what other opportunities have I not yet considered or might come my way? That would be like amazing for me. It's, I don't it's even amazing, know. Right. Like opening yeah. one door, taking one baby step, like sometimes just making one little change can lead to a host of other things. If you're open to recognizing them. Right. Absolutely. Are people even asking me, are you willing to collaborate on that? I'm like, sure. Like, I love collaboration. I want more collaboration. What does that look like? I honestly don't know. Let's have a conversation. And I, I, so I'm like, I'm still so hungry for that. I'm so hungry to see what the synergy is between what I'm interested in, what other people are interested in, because I really feel that I'm going to grow into the next step through collaboration. It's no longer just me and my little tiny business. It's me in collaboration with other people. Uh, and I'm noticing, it's like, I'm noticing how all the ways in the past I did things well in collaboration and I create co-created things. 
And it's almost like I had kind of forgotten that. I was very much like, I'm going to do it myself, right? I'm four years old. I'm doing it myself, right? Like <laughs> she, that little four-year-old has been driving my life for so long. And, um, but in fact, I'm, I'm the eldest of five kids. I collaborated with them since, uh, you know, all the time, right? We made up games, we played together. And, and yet I've always been sort of like feeling like I'm solo, feeling like I'm the, recently I'm noticing, I feel like I'm the trail guide on a trail that no one, very few people have explored. And I've explored it a little and I'm bringing other people with me. I think that's a lovely, okay, that's cool. But there's other trail guides I want to I want to collaborate with. Like I'm not the only one being a trailblazer. So let's connect. Let's con- con- let's have conversations. Let's meet at the bar. Let's yes. make something new. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's why I started my community, Beth. Because I'm the, uh, this year all all year long. I'm just thinking, how can I have more of that? because I have that same four-year-old I do myself like (laughs) I so connect with that and I'm I am realizing how much more is possible and how much more fun it can be when you are collaborating when you're doing this with other people when you're on the same exploration when you're cheering each other on and you know or, or just helping each other figure out how can i do this like i get my thought loops and to have other people around to go oh check yourself girl that Mm -hmm. that little thought loop that you're in that's not serving you (laughs) oh guess what you're doing things the hard way aren't you you know and i'm like yeah yeah nice myself in that you know yeah (laughs) totally and it's so wonderful i would say even podcasting right being able to interview people and having these dialogues and and bring them out to others and hopefully they'll come back with their input and feedback i i feel is a very co co-collaborative um experience and just having done like i don't know a lot of podcasts this year so far and and a few in the past but this year i noticed something happens when i'm talking to people you ask such good questions you're really listening i get to create right now through your questions it's like a we're in that wonderful bubbling cauldron of of creativity and and so it's through conversation that I think humanity is going to learn how to create what's next. I really believe that. Mic drop. Oh my goodness. Okay. I don't know where to go from there, Beth. Because I don't know either. You just said well, it all. You just said I can it talk all. about. Yeah. I can talk I, about the what next. <laughs> oh please. What? So what is next for you? Well, there's a few things that's next. One, I have started a podcast called How to Write the Future. So I I've love really that title, by the way. Yeah, yeah. A, a friend of mine gave it to me. I mean, she literally handed it to me, like you know, with with a gesture. She's she's brilliant. She's an art and business coach, Shannon Borg. Shout out to her. She's just brilliant, and. So how to write the future. I'm stepping into really owning being a futurist and I'm I'm stepping into wanting to bring the conversations that futurists are having uh, in and they call it sometimes strategic foresight into supporting storytellers, uh, specifically science fiction writers who want to write positive futures. Mm -hmm. They want to reimagine the world in a positive way not the doom and gloom, not the dystopia, and also not utopia, but how can we create stories in worlds that we want to live in? We can still have 
challenges and conflicts and growth and transformations, but can we set it in worlds that have mm, more support for humanity in all the ways we wish it to have support? So that's what I'm playing in. Wonderful. Oh, the richness of that is like a breath of fresh air especially in the climate that we live in right now and all of the challenges that are in front of us and in our face every day. It is so yeah. hard to stay. It is so hard. I'm a, I'm a pretty positive person, but it is so hard to stay positive in the midst of it all. And how, unless you can imagine, and it's so much of it is, it's why I'm rethinking aging. I was so afraid of aging for so long. And part of it is that I assumed I knew what aging meant, which is decrepitude and decline and blah, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. what's possible if we imagine that future the way we want it yes. to look like, then, then we can live into that. Right, right. And who do we need to be to have that be our future today? Yes. So it's all very deep and internal. And then as a storyteller, I want to like, how do we bring, how do we bring that in those internal tools, but also how do we bring in the tools of strategic foresight and futurism and, and looking around the corner, they sometimes call it and, and watching the trends and hearing the signals. And as, as people who create stories, it's, we are getting food from the outside world and how can we nurture that imagination? So those are some of the questions that I'm just want to bring out into the podcast and offer solutions and ask questions, ask questions, really. It's like, let's, let me talk to people in industry and let me bring the questions to you, the author who gets to now bring them to your own individual project. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm up to. I'm sure. Oh, that's all, time, you know, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about. And that's what I am wanting to play in and then in addition to that we're still yeah i'm still supporting writers at the earlier stages of writing and we still have our annual um 60-day novel class which is plan and write your novels you plan it you plan in october and you write in november and i have teachers teaching that and i'm supporting that and so that class is uh, starts october 1st uh, and hopefully that will continue to go on while i and I'm training teachers for that. And I was then say, wait a minute, yeah. this is a whole new, yeah. you've got, you're training, yeah. you've got other teachers. It's not just yes. you. You're, you're, no. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Wow. For years, it was just me and my husband who was my co-writer on the curriculum. And it's also in a book, Plan Your Novel Like a Pro. And then we've also, we actually started teaching the class before the book came out. And then, you know, the class became a book. And, <laughs> and so sometimes we get people who come to the class, who've read the book and they want the hands-on. They want the teachers to support them. They want to ask questions. They want to be in community with other writers. They want to do this together. And they want to be in that wonderful container of 60 days and look how far they can get. And we have lots of first-time novelists who take this course and well, they become first-time novelists. You know, they haven't done it before and then they do it and they're like, wow, I just wrote a book, you know, and, and then they can go on to edit with us in our group program if they want. So we really love nurturing people in this wonderful container. And 
Um, so my husband has been teaching the class. He taught it last year with an assistant teacher, Anne Woodford, who's going to teach it again this year. And I'm hoping by you know next year, Anne will be like a certified teacher and she could go off and teach this elsewhere or continue to teach with us. Um, and it's I get to support in the back end. And also I show up for some of the classes and offer some you know one-on-one -on -one work with people if they want it. So it's a really fun environment and it's a great opportunity for people who want to jump into that life of being a writer. Cause we really coming back to something you asked me at the beginning, we really teach people, how do you make this work in your daily life? We don't expect you to go off into a mountain retreat and, and write your novel. We actually teach you how to work on the planning in your daily life, how to work on the writing and have a daily life because we all do it. My husband's a high school teacher by day. You know, I run a business and I'm a working writer, you know, and too, she has her work and she writes. So it's doable and we make it joyful and fun and really doable is kind of the watchword, you know, like, oh my goodness, I've never wanted yeah. to be a, 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 I've never wanted to write a novel. I'll, I'll just say that I kind of want to write a movie, but I don't, I've never thought about writing them, but I'm just saying like, I'm listening to you and I'm like, I, well, I kind of want to take your course. <laughs> Hey, it'll teach you the basics of story writing. Oh, I actually wrote, I wrote a script 10 minutes a day for, I don't know, it took me a few weeks. I wrote a script and this was in, while I was also working on a novel and I just did this, a friend of mine, another writing teacher was doing a 10 minute challenge. So I would do like hashtag 10 minute writing. And then I would like post that on Twitter. And then I would write for 10 minutes. I wrote a script that way. So just say it. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Beth, I'm just thrilled for you and good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And I don't know exactly what's next, but I'm, I'm excited by it. And I'm also, you know, it's like, what can I work on today? You know, that's my, that's my attitude. If we can all just stay curious and patient with ourselves and, and step mm -hmm. into that curiosity every day, yeah. That just opens up all kinds of possibilities. I love it. It does. It does. Well, yeah. Yvonne, thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed talking with you. You pulled things out of me that I was like, where, wow, where did those things come from? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being so, so generous beautiful. and open. I appreciate it. Uh -huh. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Well, there you have it. I love that Beth asked the question, who do we need to be? to have that be our future today. That really gets to the heart of it. Who do you need to be today to build the future you want? Take one baby step today, then do it again tomorrow. That's really all it takes. And if writing a novel is part of that future you imagine for yourself, Hey, why not take a baby step and check out Beth and Ezra Barani's 60-day novel class? Imagine you plan it in October and you write it in November. I'll put a link to it in the show notes for you. And if that isn't the next right step, then you might want to check out Beth's instructional books for fiction writers. There's so many options. I'll also have those links in the show notes for you. Next week, we'll be talking about climbing mountains literally and figuratively just a little teaser for you come on back next week oh it's good to be back 
Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.